When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast, a winning podcast, another winning podcast. You never seem to win or lose <laughs> these days, Patty, but we beat West Ham on Saturday. I must admit I had uh, one of the world's most throbbing headaches for some reason, and I was feeling a bit poorly. I had a 24-hour bug um, watching the game. And uh, I did the Villa View afterwards as well. And I, I, I only remember patches of it, I'll be honest with you, because uh, <laughs> I, I had a lot. I, I, I took, I would say, about 15 minutes before the, before the goal, before the penalty, I took a raft of painkillers to get rid of the pain in my head before I did the Villa View. And I felt fine. But when I woke up next morning, I kind of went, Jesus, I'll have to watch that back and make sure <laughs> I didn't say anything bad. How are you yeah. doing, Paddy? Anyway, how are you feeling after uh, we finally got our. Um, we finally got our last minute goal, uh, one that we've been threatening to get for the last two or three games. Yeah, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm, de- I'm actually delighted it came against them because I think it's a, a good boost for us as much as I felt we should have got the, the last two penalties. But however, we move on. Um, it's uh, I know you you had the painkillers that <laughs> interfered with your watching of the game. I had it for a change. I had points. So... Uh, <laughs> Uh, my memory was a bit hazy till I watched the back a bit of it yesterday, but uh, yeah, all is good. It was nice to have a little bit of reality for those who don't know. The pubs are back open in Ireland as long as you have a meal. So um, I met with a few of the lads and had our dinner and a few points, and it was nice to get some kind of normality back watching a game, um, as we'll have for the next couple of weeks until they lock us down again. But we'll enjoy it while we can. Yeah, I am. Um... Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it was actually good. I had I had a couple of drinks yesterday myself. Um, as you may have seen, I was spamming for a small bit on the podcast account. My uh, local county, uh, Limerick. Well, I'm living in Galway. I'm in exile, but I'm I'm very much so a Limerick man. And Limerick were playing in our All Ireland hurling championship yesterday, and uh, they won. So I'm on some spree of winning at the moment. You had Villa on Saturday. You had Munster, and you've had Limerick. All I need is the Cleveland Browns tonight, and uh, it'll be a clean sweep this weekend, which doesn't happen too often. But uh, it was good to have. Uh, I didn't go to a pub this weekend. I just had a couple of uh, quiet bottles at home. But it was good to, to you know, I suppose, kind of have some sort of a Christmas festive kind of feeling. I think about the place and and look, uh, give me give me ten matches over ten points any day. You know, ten matches, ten winning matches over ten <laughs> points any day. I think is what I'd say. But. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, Sometimes it's, you need the points to, to numb the pain as well. 
yeah, absolutely. Or to, to get rid of the, that's the only reason I had a few drinks yesterday was to get rid of the nerves because, uh, you know, when you're in a final, no matter what you're expected to win and, and Limerick were heavily favoured to win, um, you know, it was a case of I just needed one or two to 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 cure the nerves because uh, I wouldn't have been able to watch it uh, without shaking otherwise. But um, no, as I say, great weekend so far. Villa winning and, and that's the last of the Limerick talk until at least July next year. I can promise everybody. OK, Um. <laughs> But yeah, back to Villa, back to Aston Villa. Villa were, uh, I thought, I thought like we 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 bossed the game. We really owned that game. I think against uh, against West Ham. Obviously, the, our best player was our goalkeeper. But uh, once again, I, I I don't think that there was that there was too many kind of cracks in our performance. So it's uh, so to say. Um, but the the, the overall feeling uh, paddy on on the actual match itself when you saw the uh when you saw the, the i suppose the lineup uh what was your initial thoughts and now i know i'm after saying we played west ham apologies for that those few bottles did have an effect <laughs> they, they, they must have they must have had an effect they, yeah they knocked me back about a week <laughs> yeah well, I, I suppose I, I was excited to see uh, Ramsey included. That was my my first thought, and and then your next thought is, "Geez, where, where's Trezeguet?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah. we were expecting them to be fit and ready to go. So, um, you know, I, I welcome a little bit of change. It was uh, it was nice to see Ramsey getting his his full debut, and uh, he acquitted himself well. He didn't didn't knock the ball out of the park by any means, but I, I thought I thought he had a decent. Uh, a decent debut to step up to that level, um, but uh, my overall feeling was excitement. Having seen seen the team being named, so um, and I think the first thing I I, I messaged you went Ramsey and a lot of exclamation marks. Yeah, you know, so because um, I know we discussed it last week that there was a possibility of him of him getting in there. So he got his opportunity. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a world beater by any means. Um, it was a strange kind of game. It's, it's not a game that they'll be replaying when they're showing the highlights of a season. <laughs> I know. No, I don't think so. You know, once again, we can probably look at the official that was put in charge of it and, and how you're going you're gonna to look at what happened. Wolves and Villa will be charged for failing to control their players after giving out 11 yellow cards and two reds yeah. or whatever it was. And there wasn't a dirty challenge in the game. Probably the dirtiest being uh, Douglas Louise leading with the elbow. There's a couple yeah. of cynical, there's a couple of cynical ones in there, but that was probably the worst challenge of the lot. And you know, and it, it was it, it was a poor display in general. Like I think I messaged you midway through the mm. or nearly half time saying it was half time. Then Donker yeah. was on four fouls without being carded. Uh, Adama was on three and then he, he booked Matty Cash mm. for his fourth one he booked Luis for his fourth one so it's the inconsistency of it and then you know you're walking on eggshells then and you're carrying a yellow card so early in the game but thankfully it was late on that it happened to Douglas Luis because we might have struggled otherwise yeah and that's very important because uh and and look I, before we go any further Mike Dean was uh, he was card happy and when I read that he it was his three thousand foul or three thousand um free kick given in the Premier League, 
uh, Paddy Power had it up. Like that's that's some statistic. No, then again, saying that I've got nothing to base it off. I don't. I couldn't tell you how many fouls any other referee has given. Yeah. It just seems like he gave away nearly two and a half thousand of the three thousand fouls uh, in that one game itself. But it, as you mentioned, it wasn't a real dirty game um, for me, and and I didn't actually think of it until you mentioned it there. That. Uh, yeah, this uh, the Villa and Wolves we brought into disrepute for it, and uh, and I think it kind of goes to the fact that look once again Aston Villa could have uh, a black mark against their name for for realistically something that that you know that that the independent refereeing body should be able to look at and say yes look Mike you throwed a few cards there you gave a couple of reds that the red was was justified for for Douglas Louise I think because it would have been a second yellow for him anyway. Um, yeah. I know what happened was did they resent the yellow and give him just a straight red or something? I think that was the case, but um, either or it was, uh, it, was it, it, it was the right decision. But I think really, if an independent refereeing board looked back at that, they would say, "Listen, look, it wasn't a dirty game whatsoever. Yes, there was a lot of cards given, and the FA don't really need to start pinching the pockets of of both Wolves and Aston Villa because it's not like there was a big twelve man melee in the middle of the field and there was punches thrown or anything because there exactly. certainly wasn't. Yeah, but I, I like. I, I always laugh when I see this failing to control your players when when the referee failed to c- control the match, which is ultimately what it was. Mm. You know, he, he let nothing he let nothing go from us early on. Um, I think it was uh, seven four, was it in the yellow card count? I'm not sure exactly. Sounds um, right to me. Yeah, yeah. So ele- eleven yellow cards in that game is just bonkers. <laughs> yeah, for the, for the game it was. You know, it wasn't the. Uh, um... It wasn't. It wasn't a dirty game, as you say. Yeah. Now look, twelve o'clock game. As this probably goes back to it as well. Mike Dean probably sees this as a rivalry and a derby for Villa and Wolves. Like yeah. uh, we've we had the discussion last week as well before the game was. You know, is it really actually a derby? So like the the perception that some people think it is, some people some people think it isn't. Maybe he went right. I'm dishing out these yellows fairly quickly because yeah. twelve o'clock games and derbies don't go together. You know, so. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that was if there was something. But like, as I say, there was at one stage there where Ezri Kanza got a yellow card. Must have been for some sort of back chat. I don't know, but from what I could, from what you could see, he couldn't have said a whole pile to him. Um, but yeah, it was a bit touchy in in, in certain instances like that. But uh, like as I say, I don't really care at this moment in time. We won one nil. We got one over them. And a big thing I think for this game, Paddy, was that. We were feeling sorry for ourselves over the last two games. Uh, the um, the the last two games that we played, we really were feeling yeah. sorry for ourselves, and it was a case whereby we were feeling that maybe we were going to go down the rabbit hole of a bad run of form, and we needed something to rescue it. Wolves wouldn't have been the team that we would have wanted to really rescue that form. And we even spoke about this. We said Newcastle would have been nice because you know they weren't exactly on a great run of form, mm. and you'd always fancy yourself against the Steve Bruce team. But we've got we've come out of the Wolves game with a one 0 win. Um, if we had drawn the previous two games and drawn this game, because it looked like for all the world we were going to draw this game, we would have still only gotten three points anyway. So, you know, perspective is huge yeah. in, in in situations like that, that we've really, by yeah. getting the win so late here, we've probably righted the wrong from the two games we should have got something out of. And then we don't, we didn't really, probably shouldn't have got much out of this game. I think a draw was the fair result because it was just a bad game of football. And, and let's not gloss over the fact as well that we probably should have had a penalty in the first half. Um, <clears throat> the one the one thing that wasn't spoken about in all the coverage I saw is the ball may have probably landed at the feet of John McGinn, who was standing slightly out of picture when the ball was put across. Um, I thought it was a poor decision um, based on what people are getting penalties for. 
Um, you saw Liverpool getting one when the guy had his, his hand going across his body at the weekend. You know, I think I think that just justifies what I said that the bigger clubs will get those decisions and nothing really changes about with VAR for me. Um, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not letting Mike Dean away with that one either. I, I definitely <laughs> think it was a penalty. And they didn't. They didn't repeat. You know, and there was another potential handball around the same time as it as well. So, um, look, it's it's it was important. I think to get the three points there. I think it's a great boost for us. Um, Wolves have had it over us now for a while. They've, you know, they've been established in the Premier League. They beat us twice last year. So, um, <clears throat> it, it was great to get the three points. And you know, it, I, I have to say, I felt euphoric when, when we did actually. Mm. Yeah, you know, finish it off. Um, Were you confident when when Agassi picked the ball up? Uh, no, I wasn't. And you know, credit where it's due. It, it was a fantastic penalty. He stuck it well. He hit it hard. Um, I think if the keeper had it went the right way, he would have struggled to to get a a, a a good solid hand on it because of the the power he put behind it. But um, I'm not going to lie, I did kind of go, oh no. <laughs> When he did get it, but I just think that was more got to do with the fact that he's a guy who's low on confidence, and mm. when when you see people are low on confidence, it does uh, it does play with your mind, and you say to yourself, "Okay, <laughs> what's going to happen here? I don't feel too confident myself looking at it." And look, in fairness to him, uh, he's obviously the the players around him all seem to like him. He's obviously putting in the work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening for him when he gets on the pitch. So I hope. It's um, like we've had a couple of incidents with Trezeguet that pushed him on. Maybe we're looking at uh, this would be the, the incident that that makes uh, El Ghazi into the Premier League player that we hope we'd have. I liked his speech he gave afterwards, like his interview, should I say, he gave afterwards that, uh, you know, he thanked Jack Grealish for having the you know confidence in giving it to him, first of all. And then he spoke very confidently about, you know, the fact that he knew he was going to score. Uh that's, you know, misguided confidence and actual confidence are two separate things. I'm not saying that he has misguided confidence. Look, he's after winning the game for us. But I like to see that from him, that he deleted all, all social media um, because of backlash from fans. Look, we I've had my hands up. I, we've, we've, we've said that he should have led with his head and maybe wasn't didn't have the stomach for the fight previously about yeah. Elmar Ghazi. He does have talent. We've always said that. Uh, we've always said that maybe he tries to play like somebody else as opposed to not like himself previously as well. And we're not going to shy away from that, you know, because that's what we thought at that given time. And in this this very, this particular moment of time, this given time as well, fair play to Amber Gazi for having nerves of steel. And it took, you know, it took a, a, a fair set to be able to stand up and take that penalty because I don't think he had had a touch of the ball in the game um, for that period of time because we were defending uh, yeah. for, for quite, quite large swathes uh, of that period of time. So, Fair play to him, you know, it made a, it made a huge difference to um to to the feeling around Aston Villa, especially you know that we've got Burnley coming up on Thursday night, another winnable game. I know they're coming off the back of a win against Arsenal as well, but uh this isn't the same Arsenal to Arsenal side I think that we've seen over the last 20, 30 years. Just going back to you know what, what you're saying about El Ghazi and the treatment of him, there's no there's a huge comparison between us saying where he had a bad game or made mistakes in a game and somebody abusing him through direct messages and, you know, putting it out for everyone to see. Um, I, I really hope he rises above it and, you know, if he wants to have social media, he can go back onto it or whatever. Um, 
And, you know, I, I genuinely do hope it's a springboard. Like, we, we have looked at what's on our bench and, and worried about what's going to happen if we, if we do have injuries or suspensions like we do now. So, you know, there's, there's games are coming, are taking fast. So hopefully that will give him the confidence that if he's thrown in there to, make, to maybe pick up a goal here or there for us because, you know, I think that's what he could have done with it at the weekend and he's got it. So let it be the springboard to, to push him on a bit further. Oh, definitely. You know, confidence and, and competition breeds uh, success, you know, and and especially in that area, you know, the creative areas as well. If we've got somebody who just hits a purple patch of four or five, six games. And in fairness, Anwar Al-Ghazi has done that. He he was he wasn't exactly poor at the start of last year. You know, he scored a good goal against Everton. There was times when I was clamoring for him to maybe be tried out as a number uh, as, as a number nine up front as well, because of his big stature in the in the in the championship, you know, he was a really go-to guy as well. So we know he has yeah. it. It's just struggling from a crisis of confidence potentially would, would be something that we don't want him to do. And look, if that picks up, picks his, his confidence up off the floor, well, then we can only serve to be better for it. I'm a big fan and I've said it before. I'm an Aston Villa fan. I'm fickle and I reserve the right to change my opinion at any given time, especially when the facts in the matter change. So if a player starts playing well, the second he starts playing poorly, it's not a case of just sticking the sticking the boot in again, and I think that that happens an awful lot. That maybe Amor Gazi has gotten the the tag as being a scapegoat, and and uh, while it may take more than this to for him to to get rid of that amongst the fan base, um, hopefully this is a springboard for somewhere else that he's going to go over the over the Christmas period. We're down on striker options over the Christmas period. Realistically, we can't sign anybody. We can't even bring Wesley back into the panel again because yeah. he's he, he can't be registered until the first of January. So. Anybody scoring goals is a good thing for this club. So let's stay off people's backs, I suppose, really, us included. And let's try and, yeah. and, and nurture them through the next four or five games over, over a busy, busy Christmas period. Mm-hmm. And that Christmas period really kind of kicks into action on Thursday, the 17th of December. It almost feels weird to say the 17th of December already because it just doesn't feel like it. But we have Burnley. Um, and I mentioned previously they're just coming off the back of a win against an Arsenal team and maybe not so so uh, not so vaulted Arsenal team at the moment they've got some fantastic players but they're just struggling for their own to, for themselves to click and I read something I was just saying it earlier on that I read something uh, something funny that um, maybe Arsenal Wenger was was keeping them from relegation as opposed to keeping them from getting into the Premier, the, the Champions League for, for those last few years when um, when he was over the team but they they've struggled like just like Manchester United they've struggled to replace the the aura of the big man at the top and uh, while I'm a fan of of Mikel Arteta um it just it, it's it's not working at the moment for what he's trying to do and and Burnley exposed them well they didn't really expose them they they really just played for set pieces and they got their just desserts and got their own goal against Aubameyang finally scored and but yeah it was at yeah. the wrong end. Uh, but we have them on Thursday, and I suppose what we're going to do is we're going to do a bit of a mix and match here. We've obviously done a preview. We've, games are coming thick and fast. So we're going to, uh, or we've done a review, should I say, of Wolves, and we're going to do the preview of um, uh, of Burnley. Are you confident, I suppose, firstly, Paddy, and uh, of us getting a result at Burnley? Do we get? Um... Um, have a, well, I'm going to say have the misfortune to watch them last night because I thought it was a particularly poor game. Yeah, and bear in mind that. We we had spent the afternoon watching the fastest field sport in the in the world. That's it. And then and then watching a really high octane game of rugby to watch Arsenal and Burnley was just 
it was it was like I was paying for the sins of watching two good games in the afternoon. <laughs> it was absolutely poor, and I'm not I'm not going to lie. I did drift in and out of a snooze from time to time. Um, it was it was a strange old game. Arsenal never really got into it too. No, you know they're they're not they're just not playing well at all, and the sending off just put them completely on the back yeah. foot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know? and like. It was, it was a nothing sending off. It was a nothing sending off. That was the one actually that would, where the yellow card was descended and the red card was given um, as a result of, of him just putting his arm around. Like, come on. I, I don't think it was a sending off, but I also think that, listen, look, the, first of all, he caught the wrong person. And second of all, he's <laughs> captain of the team and he shouldn't do that. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's but it, what amazed me was VAR looked at a similar situation about 10 minutes later. I think it was El Nenny maybe in the box. And he actually hit the guy harder than Shaka did. And it'd be no question to answer. And you're just going, why, oh, why are these people in charge of that? Uh... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, it, it just doesn't make any sense, you know. But it's, anyway. bad, it's bad enough scratching your eyeballs out when it's a watch Aston Villa, but when you're doing it watching other teams as well, it's a... Uh... You know, you know, there's a problem with it, but we do have Burnley. Listen, Burnley haven't had the most most fantastic start to the start to the, to the league this season, and um, we are going to be missing players. And we kind of papered over it there in the last uh, when we were doing the the review show. We're going to be down Douglas Louise. This is going to be a big test of this team uh, without Douglas yeah. Louise. Yeah. Uh, for my money, a, a a very, I'm not going to say irreplaceable because he. We do have Marvellous Nakamba that potentially could come in there for him, or else Connor could come in as well. But we have this since this team has started playing well since lockdown, we haven't been without Douglas Louise, and, and he's pivotal. And there's no two ways about it. So it's going to be important to see you now what actually happens when somebody comes in for there. And also, there's a decision to be made about are we going to go with Elmore or are we going to go with Gilbert at right back? Gilbert played with the with the uh, under 23s yesterday against, uh, against Leeds United. Maybe that might be something to get him up to game speed. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know, but he's definitely going to be needed. But I, I, I think that that told us in, in in a nutshell that he will play on on Thursday. Uh, mm. In my just reading between the lines, now I did I did turn on the under twenty three game yesterday, but I was just uh, kind of half looking at it and half doing jobs around the house. But um, I think I think it was a valuable uh, minutes under the belt for for him, and uh, I think we'll see him on Thursday. And Ross Barkley, Paddy, do we think we might see Ross Barkley there? Obviously, he was uh, he was touch and go for the game at the weekend, but then uh, obviously ruled out. Maybe they wanted to give him a small bit more time uh, and bring yeah. him on towards Burnley. Difficult one, uh, whether whether he sees the need to, to rush him back in there. Um, me personally, I think he's got to trust uh, Nakamba or Connor to do that job for him at mm. this stage. Uh, it, it's hard to second guess what he's saying. What he's doing now, I haven't seen what, what you know that he can bring in Ramsey at the weekend. Um, I, I would imagine it would be Nakamba. Very little to base that on, other than he got he got a did he even get a touch of the ball at the weekend? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, my my heart says it'll be Nakamba, but uh, um, yeah, I I, do, I I I don't want them to rush Ross Barkley back too soon, so. You know, with the games coming thick and fast, he needs to be very careful about what he's what where wearing them, where he uses them. Um, I think we should have enough to beat Burnley with what we have without without trying to load the team anymore. That could be famous last words, but that's that's just my opinion. Mm. Um Burnley are they're a nice 
tight, solid side, you know. Um, they won't concede a lot of goals, I would imagine, or I can't see us getting you know, scoring two or three, but I do think we'll have enough to beat them. Um, like Sean, Sean Dyche sets up his teams to try and not to lose as opposed to go out and try and win a game. Mm-hmm. Um they they try and get ahead and then kind of shut shut up shop has always been the way it's been with with, with, uh, with Sean Dyche. So I think the, the most important thing is not to go behind, um, you know, to 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 hit them early on and, and hope that we can go ahead, and and, and stay that way because uh, you know you find it very hard to break them down once you go behind. Um, I don't think they'll have uh, many changes to the team they played against Arsenal, especially after winning a game. Uh, so as you say, don't don't be changing a winning team. I don't think there are mm. any many injuries or uh, I don't I didn't see any suspensions popping up there. No, they just but, have Jack Cork is long term injury. He's out, and and they've got a couple of knocks there to people who are, you know, like Goodmanson, Stevenson, and uh, our old mate Phil Bardsley, who I'm sure would love to be the right back <laughs> facing up Jack Grealish. Yeah, um, he's hardly on a dislodge Matty Loughton anyway. But no, but I think that they might. He could be a guy they could bring in there just to sharpen his studs. Yeah, you know because he's he's one of those guys that certainly likes to tackle. Yeah, so I suppose protect Jack really should all costs. I think really because we're going to need his his ingenuity, especially with Douglas Louise there. Um, before I suppose actually just thinking about that, Paddy. Before we go on to kind of more of an in depth view of uh, of Burnley. Do you think Agassi gets the start? Do you think Bertrand Trory plays there, provided that Trezeguet is out? <laughs> does does he uh, does he try and boost uh, El Ghazi's confidence even more? Possibly. Um, I don't think he will. I, th- I think I think if Trezeguet is not there, it'll be Traore. I think it could be Traore anyway. Um, I think Traore is, is due a run of games, to be honest. Um you know, with the exception of Martinez, I don't think anybody really set the game alight on at the weekend. No. You know, but uh, I, I think I think probably I would go with Traore. I don't think, yeah, I don't, if I if I had to make the decision, it would be Traore and not El Ghazi. But that's just going on what's happened in the past, and and maybe maybe you know as as I always say, we aren't in the training sessions. We're not seeing what's going on. Maybe Gael Ghazi will play himself into the team by uh, by what he does in training this week. Yeah, I, I'm I'm of the opinion where I want to see more Troy. I do. A lot of people were very very harsh in their my time. A lot of people said he was completely another shock, and yeah, he didn't play. He didn't play great at the weekend. He also didn't play great when he was brought on as a central striker. But the guys find that he's feet in the Premier League, and there were two difficult enough matches to play coming against play Wolves and um and and the last game that he played as well. So I, I'm not too. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too down on Troy. I'd like to see see more of what he can do. I think this Burnley yeah. team will give him. I think he would would be good against this Burnley team. He keep likes a Dwight McNeil pull uh, pin back. He keep Charlie Taylor pin uh, pin back as well because he has got pace and he has got a trick in him. And I know he's very much left footed and wants to pull inside an awful lot, but that creates opportunities for overlaps. Maybe the fact that the Betty Cash isn't going to, isn't going to be there might be one of the reasons that they do. If Trezeguet is fit, they they will bring him back in there. Um, there's going to need to be a bit of tracking back of him. Mohamed is going to be right back, so I, I, that's where I kind of I, I I don't know. We see Al Ghazi in there in that instance. Will Al Ghazi be uh, um, 
an impact substitute or so on. It's going to be really interesting. This is the first really interesting um, lineup that Dean Smith is going to have to pick because this Burnley team are going to want to get the ball wide. They're going to want to cross it in. They've got Jay Rodriguez and Chris Wood there. You know, so look, they're they're not trying to mask what their their game plan is here. They did the same thing to Arsenal. They got corners, they got set pieces, they crossed it in. Crosses coming in from Westwood, crosses coming in from Robbie Brady. You know, Dwight McNeil getting to the getting to the end line. Ben Mee is a big boy. Tarkovsky is big. The England have been or he's been knocking at the door of an England call up. Um, they've got guys who can whip a ball in. We know Matty Lowton can whip a ball in as well from the right hand side. So. I suppose really kind of stopping them from getting to the byline, byline and stopping them cross things in. We're going to need to rely on our wingers, Grealish, yeah. uh, El Ghazi, Trezeguet, Bertrand Traore, whoever's going to be there. And that's another reason why I think that uh, Gilbert will play too. Possibly. Um, as I said, it's hard to, it's hard to second guess. Um, do, do you play Elmo to stop that uh, attack and threat down the wing as well? Um you know, I, I hope it's Gilbert. I really do. He's he's our player and we have him for a few years. So I, I, I hope he can push on and push himself into, into contention for a start. Um not that not that I don't like Matty Cash, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna need to rotate from time to time as as we will this week. Um you know, it's it's I I, I, I don't get the you know the, the Bertrand Triori being totally one footed thing. Everybody is, bar the exceptional footballers, are totally one-footed, you know. Mm. And especially left-footed players that haven't been. I was a left-footed player myself, so I know I was totally one-footed and it had to take a lot of work to work on the right foot. And the trust isn't there to be going onto your right foot. So if he has to come onto his left foot, so be it. They all do it, you know. Mm. They're, just, they're just looking for a stick to beat him with. And I think he needs a run of games just to show us what he can do. And, you know, we've, we've given... Given Trezeguet his opportunity and getting his run of games, um, maybe it's time to just let him have it and see how he goes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, as I say, I don't really mind who starts there. I, I think it's, but who does start there would be framed by who starts it right back. Um, because Possibly. it's not just one change that needs to be made. You're, you're overhauling the whole lot of that right hand side, you know, without Trezeguet being there. So the stability of that right hand side is very much so going to be affected. And it is the stronger side, really, with, with Dwight McNeil, as I said, and Charlie Taylor. Both of those are well able to get up and down the line there. Yeah. And, and, and it's definitely something to, to, to keep in mind as well. Um, are you confident that we win? Do we get our, uh, I was going to say our first home win, but we actually, you know, we haven't been very good at home. We've been conceding goals at home. Yeah. But do we, do we control this one from start to finish and try and, put our, try and finally put our home, home woes to, to bed? I think so. Um, I, I, like we, what did what did I say from the three games? I was expecting us to get seven points mm. from from these next three games, and I wasn't I wasn't overly confident of getting anything out of Wolves. So I, you know, this this is this is these these guys are a completely different outfit. They're they're strong, they're tough. They they'll boss the game if they get ahead. They just won't let you break them down. So I think I think as long as we don't let them in. I think I think we'll nick it maybe one nil or a two nil is what I'm what I'm predicting. It mm. won't be anything like the Arsenal win or the Liverpool win or anything like it. Um, and I'd be quite happy with a one nil ninety fourth minute penalty again if that's if that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if it, you know it hits off someone's backside in the ninety fourth minute, that's fine with me. Um, I think we, the, the most important thing is that we we start winning these games that we should win. 
I think we've let West Ham and, and Brighton off the hook by not getting anything out of those games. Um, it's all very well beating Wolves, Liverpool and Arsenal. It's time to start winning these games that we should win. Yeah. Um, my own opinion of this game at the weekend, I think we're going to concede. I think uh, I just think there's going to be like, from the start of the season, we will have four changes from our team, realistically, when you think about it. Two boys who are injured, or two boys who are suspended, and then Trezeguet and, and Ross Barkley as well. So, like my that is affecting what my, my my outlook in this game is. I still think we're going to win. I think we're going to win 2-1 because I think we've got quality to score in this team. We concede at home. We haven't won at home, as I say, and, and we've conceded over um, over 2.5 goals in our last four home games. So I think we're still going to concede concede at home again. Right? But I think we're going to win. I think it's going to be 2-1 Aston Villa. And I'm going to put my money down on Ali Watkins brace. Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah, um, as you know, I'm not going to argue with you there. They're, they're more than capable of scoring. I just, I just hope we don't let them score first. I think that's the most important thing, because as we saw with West Ham and, and Brighton, it's very hard to get in back into the game. You know, you can boss it all you like, you can boss possession, but the scoreline at the end of the day is all that matters. So, yeah. I, I take a scrappy one again. I, I, I put that Wolves one down as a scrappy one. They created more chances than us. They, you know, they got more shots on target, and um, albeit we were probably the better side over the uh, over the whole thing. So, you know, it's it's a game we should win. I think we will win, and uh, I, I think it, it's the confidence boost that we need going into these run of, of fixtures. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, fingers crossed for for the three points. Absolutely, absolutely. There's likely, I suppose, as well to be some sort of remembrance or some sort of minute silence, I think, before the game for former Aston Villa manager Gerard Julio, who passed away today at 73 years young. It's too young for anybody to pass away. I know that he had he had bad heart problems from a young age, but 73 is an awful young age and with, with, the, with, with everything, I suppose, with the miracles of modern medicine. Um, I suppose my own kind of views, view on Gerard Julio is I look... I probably look a small bit more fondly upon him from from the point of view of when he was a Liverpool manager, that he he really helped to revolutionise the game. The game was really like it was around the time of sexy football. Rude Hullet was in there. Arsene Wenger was after coming in. You had you know you had all these these really good players, and and Julia was after really kind of making Liverpool a, a threat again after the Roy Evans era, making him a threat again, and and. Uh, when he signed for Aston Villa, when he signed to be our manager, I, I had very, very high hopes for it. But I think that, you know, his his own health at the time maybe was was something that kind of held him back. Should he or would he or could he have been a, a more of a mainstay within the Aston Villa dugout? Maybe things might have been different. He was a bit, you know, he did things differently to a lot of other managers um, and he expected different kind of standards than a lot of other managers. But uh yeah, it was uh, out of the blue today, and uh, you know, condolences to everybody involved with Gerard Julia and to, and uh, yeah, as I say, gone too soon at seventy three. Absolutely, and uh, reiterate the fact that it's a pity he didn't get more time. Um, I was skeptical about him when he came in, Um largely got to do with the fact that he, he kind of rubbed Ireland's nose in it when Thierry Henry handled the ball. Yeah, <laughs> I'd Richard never D- forgiven him for that. Richard Dunn yeah. didn't get it. Didn't get off on a good foot with him when he came. No, he didn't. For, uh, no. <laughs> but I think I think the potential was there. You know, to listen to what some people said about him this morning, um, you know that there was some potential good signings ready to come in, and mm. you know it just it just never happened for him. 
and it was probably the start of the demise after after Martin O'Neill and mm. Randy Lerner probably lost a bit of interest. I think that was one last hurrah for him. So it was it was it was downhill from there for us. So that's probably tarnished how we look at his time with Aston Villa, um, which is a pity because the, as you say, the potential was there and it could have been a whole lot better. Better, unfortunately, he fell on ill health during his time mm. there. So. I look fondly upon the end of that season, though. I, I don't know. what I, I, I look fondly upon the end of that season. I know I wasn't in the dugout for a good lot of it, and Gary Mack took over, but uh, we had a real battling kind of win to the end of that season because we were we were on a hiding to nothing, you know, after Julia got, got got ill, and, and it was very much just a case of everyone expected us to go down, but we battled and we stayed up, but I think it was the start of our demise uh, as a club. Paddy, am I right in saying that Jared Julia was linked with Aston Villa prior, prior to that with a takeover as well by Red Bull. Or was that complete and utter nonsense, internet nonsense? <laughs> I think I vaguely remember it all right, yeah. Um, but Jesus, there's, there's been some ridiculous ones over the years, isn't it? Yeah. But maybe there was something in that, in the fact that he eventually became manager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, Maybe they just got their 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 stories crossed and, and the wires crossed in the story, but uh, he did eventually come in as manager. But we I remember those Red Bull rumors, which were quite yeah. funny at the time. There were an awful lot of people up in arms about the thoughts of uh, Red Bull Villa Park. Jesus, how you, ask Leipzig are they too pissed off about it now? Or ask Salzburg are they too pissed <laughs> exactly. off about it now? We never did get to the Champions League, and I I wouldn't have minded seeing Champions League football at Red Bull, Red Bull Villa Park uh, at the time, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, look, I suppose some things are sacred, and, and and I jest when I say that as well. Ideally, you don't want to be changing anything like that, you know, and going down yeah. too far down the corporate sponsorship. And I'm and look, I wouldn't change the two owners I have. We have no for the mo- at the moment for absolutely anything, and I do think that they have the financial clout, the nose, and the and the the they're beginning to love the club. As much as uh, as much as we do, and and that's always good when we're looking to get towards the Champions League too. Um. So yes, as I say, R.I.P. Gerard Houllier, and um, yeah, as I say that uh, I hope the club do commemorate him uh, at the weekend. But that's going to do it for us today, Paddy. Um, I'm just trying to think: is there anything else that I forgot? There isn't really anything else. I was look. There's no point in even doing a Lakers sportsman a match for for the uh, Wolves game because it's just Demi Martinez. Because he was fantastic. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think there's any any doubt in that at all. So, yeah, he'd be my Lakers sportsman of the match for sure. Excellent, excellent. Listen, thanks, everybody. We're going to wrap it up for there. This is uh, uh, this is a two-in-one podcast, a review of the, of the Wolves game and a preview of the Burnley game as well. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you can catch Paddy on at Villa Paddy, and you can catch me on at Love McGrath Pod. And until next time, all that's left to say is up the Villa. Up the Villa. Podcast Network.